Hello and welcome to Cooper and Company, where politics meets people. This is our sneak peek episode, and I am so excited that you have taken the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. The mission of the show is to engage, inspire, educate, and entertain. And I, I want to remind everyone, no matter where we go or what you have coming up next, it is really up to us to be more engaged, more involved, to educate ourselves, and have a little fun along the way. So I want to remind everyone that this is a great time, even though we're dealing with the pandemic, we're dealing with social justice issues, um, but it's a great time for all of us to, to step up. And as you know, this past week, we lost Congressman John Lewis. You know, he was one of the heroes that is no longer with us to, to fight that good fight. So it really is up to all of us, no matter what you do for a living, no matter where you are in your life, that I want all of us to be more engaged and, and be inspired and engage in different conversations that, that maybe you feel like you don't have enough information about. And that's what this show is going to be, a platform where I have conversations with today's trailblazers in education, business, politics international policy, and more. And I want to inspire you to do more with the resources and the platform that you personally have. Um, so I'm really excited to have this started today, and I'm ex really excited about this sneak peek episode. And a little bit about me, I'm your host, Bree Cooper, and I am a classical singer as well as a um, politician. I recently ran for Congress um, in 2018 and 2020. And that was such an amazing experience. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast called Cooper and Company, because I really felt that there were so many areas that people just didn't know about. And it could be about politics. And then when I, I submitted my information to actually have myself considered as a candidate, um, I realized, wow, they, they just want you to answer the basic questions. It really is up to all of us to, one, keep this country moving forward and to be as engaged as possible. So that's what I really want for this platform. I want us to have a little bit of fun. I don't consider this show to be something like talking heads and really, really political, but I do want to engage in some great conversations. It's just enough to make you, just enough to make you wonder and be curious and to look into um, any issues that you feel are important in your community and things that we are faced today. So speaking of which, um, I'm actually excited that today's episode is going to be brought to you, brought to you by Kiana Clothing of California. For years, Kiana Clothing have provided me with an amazing wardrobe to fit my curvilicious figure. And the company has been such a huge supporter of my career in the arts and in politics. I've worn their outfits for photo shoots, for singing engagements, um, for interviews with dignitaries. 
Um, so, you know, I want everyone to just visit www.kiana.com, check out their amazing styles. And um, I'm looking forward to bringing you a few uh, promo codes uh, for our next episode to share with you. So if you find something special, hold on, and then I'm going to make sure we share a promo code with you. So I'm excited about that. So as I talked about, today's episode is basically about being engaged, and it's our sneak peek. So as I stated earlier, I'm going to have conversations with today's trailblazers in a lot of different platforms, but definitely one of them being something I'm very passionate about, and that is education. Um, today, we have a guest, and her name, we're going to call her Alisa, okay? So... Um, Lisa, I, I want her to be able to speak openly about where she is, about where she feels the school system is. And, and today we're going to be talking about, are teachers really ready to open the classrooms? Can schools really reopen safely during this pandemic? Um, and as you know, we've seen an uptick in many states. So those are the questions we're going to pose to this teacher who has over 25 years experience in the classroom in both inner city classrooms and schools and also in suburban classrooms and schools, school districts. So I'm really, really excited about having Lisa on today. Today, again, we have Lisa and school districts across the country are being forced to reconsider their opening plans or reopening plans and even reverse the course for the upcoming school year. As coronavirus infection rates continue to spike and new hot spots emerge, with the conflicting opinions and contradictory plans continuing to emerge, we have invited a special guest to our channel. And I already have told you, it is Lisa, who has over 25 years teaching experience in the classroom, as well as as an administrator. She is a great school teacher in the inner city schools, school system. And she has, again, decades of classroom experience, uh, including in Georgia, Washington, DC, Maryland, Texas, and abroad. So thank you, Lisa, for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited to, to talk to you. I'm very excited for our listeners to have um, a professional view from a teacher who has so much experience. So um, Lisa, do you have anything you want to just start with or you want to join in? I do have a, quest a few questions lined up for you already. I wanted to thank you for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. I'm so excited. First question. How long have you been an educator? I kind of gave that away earlier, but how long have you been an educator? <laughs> I have been in education for, like you said, about 25, 26 years. This upcoming school year will be year 27. Wow. That's so a really, really, really long time. What made you decide to get into education? You know, um, I went into education. I didn't plan on being an educator. I have a lot of educators in my family. So I always said I wasn't really interested. Um, but when my child started school, he wasn't doing too well in school. Um, and so at that point, I was about to go back to school to work on a master's degree. And I said, you know, what better way could I know what he's supposed to know and just be up on education than to go into education myself. Mm -hmm. um, so my son was probably about five years old. 
you know, when I made that decision, went back, got another degree. It was in education, um, went through all of the rigmarole to get certified and, and everything like that. And even though I always thought I didn't want to be a teacher or an educator, once I got into the field, I really, really enjoyed it. And so, you know, been in the field a long time, have held many different roles, but I'm glad I made a decision to go into education. It's really important. That's excellent. So you guys, I have um, something else to share with you because I couldn't hold it any longer. I actually know Lisa. <laughs> I was going to really act like, okay, I don't know you, but really for the sake of this conversation, I think it's important that uh, we establish this from, you know, this is something that's very passionate to me as well. And I have a child who is in school as well. And, and in the middle of a pandemic, when schools need so much support from all of us, um, we got into this conversation last week and I wanted her to be a guest on the show. Um, so I, I thought the pearls of wisdom that she shared with me and her experience um, was very enlightening. Um, so my next question for you, Lisa, is you've taught in both inner city schools and suburban school districts. What do you think the main difference is between the support that inner city school districts receive during times of crisis um, and compared to the support that maybe suburban school districts receive in terms of crisis? And then let's narrow it down even further to the reopening of the schools in uh, inner city school districts, what do you think is the main focus that needs to happen as they consider reopening? Um, well, I think the, the big difference between those two types of school districts that you have described is it's the financial resources. Of course, as we know, many inner city school districts, they don't have the money, they don't have the tax base to give them the money. And a lot of school districts even though we hear our current administration talking about how they're gonna cut funding, um, a lot of school districts don't actually receive a lot of government funding. Um, a lot of the funding actually comes from, you know, the, the taxpayer dollars. Um, so that's the, the biggest, biggest thing is it's about resources. Um, the school that I teach in currently, which is an inner city school that shall remain nameless, um, we didn't even have soap in the bathroom. I think our school was provided with like some hand sanitizer or something, but it was only hand sanitizer for the teachers. You know, we didn't have resources that we needed for the students. And so I found myself in a position where um, I actually took off. And it was the week before we were told like, okay, we're going to be out. Um, but I took off because I just didn't feel safe. And so when we're having a conversation about can schools really reopen safely. I don't think so. I don't think so. Even um, when you want to compare urban and suburban school districts, I think suburban school districts still are going to be looking at issues around resources because, you know, they have budgets that are already set. They don't necessarily have the money suddenly to um, have to provide PPE or sanitizer or more so. One of the other issues that school districts are looking at, of course, is, you know, the social distancing piece. We can get into that a little bit later on, but definitely, you know, it's the financial resources. 
So do you have um, any anxiety as the school reopens? Have you decided that you are going to physically be in the space? Have you been confronted with the decision? Some school districts across the country are saying, okay, teachers, you need to report to work on whatever date it is. Have you felt the force to make this decision to say, okay, I don't feel safe. I am going to actually not teach this school year? Or are they being supportive as far as how they delegate um, teachers? And over a quarter of our teachers are literally in the high-risk category. So how are they working that out as schools reopen? How are they doing that with considering the high-risk categories that many teachers are in? Um, have they? Has your school specifically thought about pools of teachers where we have a pool of teachers that are, you know, they're great, they're active, they can do the work. However, because of their risk category, they will be teaching for the online platform. And then maybe you have teachers that can actually be physically in the space. Has your school explored that option at all? To be honest with you, it's not really going to be, because I work in the public school system, it's not going to be a, a local school decision. It's the school district. And actually, my school district has not made a decision yet. Um, it's crazy to me that they haven't made a decision yet. A lot of teachers that work for the district that I'm in have actually already you know, they're considering leaving the district. I think actually they're supposed to come to some type of final decision very soon. Um, do I have anxiety? It's, it's funny, but I don't have anxiety about going back in person within itself, but I have anxiety around just the safety of it all in terms of what's gonna happen with student behavior and things like that. So that's what concerns me more. Um, it's not actually physically going back. It's what's going to be done with the behavior of some of these students. Like when you have students who are refusing to wear a mask or refusing to social distance and things like that. So I'm more concerned from a policy perspective. You know, are you going to change the discipline code to reflect, you know, the current situation that we're in? I haven't heard any of those conversations. Um, I'm hearing conversations about, you know, the children's well-being and they're going to have gaps in their learning because they've been out of school. Um, but to me, if you want to have a real conversation about safety, you actually also need to be talking about, you know, the behavior of students because all students don't come to school and do what they're supposed to do. All students don't come in and um, comply with requests. And that's that's across the board. You know, a lot of times we think that that's only seen in the inner city school district, but because I've worked for urban and suburban schools, I can tell you that, you know, across the board, sometimes kids just don't listen. Um, and so that's, that's what some of my, I don't want to say anxiety because I don't really think I'm, I'm facing anxiety right now, but that's just some of my concern. Um, you know, what are you going to do? And because I haven't seen the school district that I work in lay out any of that plan, that has me really, really concerned that you're not even taking that into perspective. Um, I know a lot of teachers right now are, they're looking for other jobs outside of the educational field. Um, it's very, very unfortunate because I think a lot of school districts are getting ready to lose some really, really great educators and administrators. And I think, you know, some teachers are just scared. They really, really are. Some of them have 
you know, underlying health conditions. Some of them have children that have health conditions. So I, um, I haven't made a decision yet about what I'm going to do this year. I'm leaning towards, you know, going back regardless to what they decide. I, I really haven't made a decision yet. And I'm probably going to be making that decision sometime within the next couple of weeks. You know, I told myself, okay, well, let me see what the school district is talking about. Um, there are other school districts in the area that I live in that are going to be 100% virtual. Um, so fortunately, I probably will have the option to go and work for another school district if I absolutely have to. I don't want to leave my district. Um, but if it seems like they're going to make a decision that is not going to be in the best interest of students or teachers, then, you know, I may have to leave. So, you know, to answer your question, I haven't made a decision yet. Okay. Um, I have one other, a couple of other questions, but I'm going to expand your answer to this one. Um, I want to add on, what about students who have IEPs? Uh, is there some sort of legal ramification that will occur if schools do not open? So those students that are on a structured plan for their success, an individual plan, is there a legal consequence if schools don't reopen? Is the school system or the school district liable for those students that do not receive their specific uh, allotment of hours of instruction in person every, every week, every month, every day, that kind of thing during the school year? Um, can you speak to that at all? It's funny that you would um, that you would bring that up because I don't think we talked about that in a previous conversation. Um, but that, in my opinion, and I, I also am a certified special education teacher, um, that, in my opinion, is one of the biggest things that a lot of school districts are struggling with. Virtual instruction was it was terrible for students with disabilities. And in my mind, I think that is part of the reason why a lot of school districts were saying, you know, we're going to try to come up with some type of hybrid plan where some students are in school and some students aren't, or some students are only in school on certain days. In my mind, no one said it's because we have to be concerned about these IEPs and number of service hours that these students have. But in my mind, it will have some type of, of legal ramification eventually. You know, I don't know if school districts have asked for waivers or if things are going to be changed. You know, this is, this is a crazy time. I think a lot in education is about to change because if we're in a situation where we can't provide those service hours, then what, right? Um, but I actually provide intervention for gen ed and special education students. And it was, it was really, really rough. This time has been really rough on those students. In my mind, the school districts who are talking about a hybrid model where some kids have virtual and some kids have in-person instruction on specific days. In my mind, the students who should, who should be getting the virtual um, are gen ed students for the most part. And the students who you know, need that in-person, um, I think that should be you know, that special education population. But I don't necessarily think that that has to happen in the school building. Um, because unfortunately, 
it's a double-edged sword because a lot of students with disabilities, um, they may have learning disabilities, but a lot of them also have underlying health conditions as well. So it's a situation where, okay, they need the in-person one-on-one or, and small group instruction, but it, 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 it probably is not safe. Um, I've heard some discussion about perhaps special educa educators, you know, going to students' homes and things like that. So I don't know what it's going to look like, but that is a population that definitely has been negatively affected by this pandemic. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how school districts handle it and, you know, what happens. So my, um, my next question is, as we talk to the requirements for especially gen eds and then and by the way i want to make sure we're on the same page with this when you say gen ed general education is that correct or is there some other terminology yes that's 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 what i mean okay. Okay. general education student those you know those are students that don't have any type of diagnosed disabilities right. and they don't have any special type of um learning plans like okay. a IP or a 504 plan Right. The, the, the lingo has changed a little bit over the years <laughs> because they didn't say Jeanette. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So um, my next question is um, regarding that part of the process. I was really surprised to find out that so many of the, just in general, public school systems, um, public school districts across the country we're not prepared for online learning when schools are touting, oh, we're producing 21st century competitive students who are ready to uh, compete for top colleges in technology, but yet they can't get their distance learning plan together. That surprises me. And then it also surprises me that this has not been thought of before. Um, only because we didn't, you know, we, who knew we were going to have a pandemic? But at the same time, I mean, if you think about distance learning, you know, I remember when, I guess it was Phoenix, it was at University of Phoenix came out and people just kind of snubbed their nose at it and thought it was like laughable that you could get an education online. And then they found out that it was so incredibly profitable because it gave access to so many more students who normally wouldn't be able to make it to a campus, et cetera. So I find it surprising that so many of the public school systems, and I'm almost ticked off, have not provided enough of a platform for learning uh, from a distance to take place. I'm really surprised at that. And not only that, we talk about missing school. I mean, if you implement it, I don't, I, you know, my daughter's school has a distance learning program as well, and they only implemented it um, when there is a reason to be out of school. So in her case, it would be inclement weather. So when the school is out because of inclement weather, they actually have to be in class, you know, online doing distance learning with the school, with the teachers, regular schedule every single day. And, um, and, so, and so that's what, um, that's what we're finding has not been happening and how long was it going to take for the school system to catch up with that thought now is it more of a matter of it is so incredibly expensive and like you said school districts are supported by taxpayers dollars 
is that one of the things, you know, is that one of the issues and how, how can we fix that? Like, you know, I think all kids should be able to have access to distance learning. You know, I mean, I just think the platform should be available and ready. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised school district that I work in actually they were ready to go in terms of a platform they just did an add-on basically to the email system that they already had there were some other options that they could add and so the program that we were using it was it was pretty much a combination of like a zoom and a google classroom if you're familiar with that at all um so the platform was ready to go I was no, really I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with Zoom. I'm not familiar with Meet Now. I'm not familiar with any of <laughs> none of it. I'm not familiar with any of it. Sorry. Oh, okay, so no. you say Zoom. What is what is Zoom? What is this Zoom? <laughs> the platform that we actually used was it's a it's a something that you can add on to Microsoft Outlook, and it's called Teams. And so it was really really good during the week that before we started virtual instruction, we received a lot of good training and everything. But then we ran into the obstacle of parents not having technology at home. A lot of inner city school districts, they were already faced with not having enough technology in the school. You know, the school that I'm at, um, it is, uh, I'm actually in a middle school now. And just before this pandemic hit, we just had received new computers so that we could go one-to-one with like our sixth grade students. So that was a big, big issue that we had. It was about, you know, families not having resources. Um, We were able to provide some things for families, but then we were up against the obstacle of, you know, a lot of the families weren't tech savvy. You know, they didn't know how to work things. They didn't know how to navigate things. So in moving forward for districts who are trying to provide virtual Um, instruction, there's going to have to be a lot done, not just around resources, because we still don't have the resources in my school district. They're trying desperately to have things ready in case they do have to go 100% virtual, but there's, we're also up against the, the obstacle of there is still a great divide, you know, in terms of technology. I thought that because everybody has a really expensive iPhone and things like that, you know, that maybe those families had computers at home, but I was was wrong about that. And I also thought like, okay, well, if you can work, you know, the high speed phone, because it's basically a computer in your hand, then you'll be able to navigate on the computer. But I was also wrong about that. So um, there's a lot that's going to have to be done um, in school districts that are trying to, you know, go virtual, but it, it all boils down to me around um, resources. What is it that anyone who's listening to this podcast can do right now, even if they don't have kids, but there is a neighborhood school that they know of, what can they do right now to support their school? I think reach out to your local school and find out what they need. I know we have the school that, that I'm at, we have a lot of different community partners. You know, if you work for a business that can possibly sponsor a school or something like that, you know, get involved. I urge parents to really take a serious look at the situation. I've, I've heard some parents talking about the fact that they don't care what the local school district is doing. They're not sending their kids back um, for those school districts who are, you know, talking about in-person instruction. I urge everyone to just think long and hard about the decisions that you're about to make, you know, for your kids and your family and your local community. 
because we all are, are in a space right now where we're having to make some really, really serious decisions. And unfortunately, in some cases, it's, it's going to be a matter of uh, life and death for some people. Thank you so much for, for today, for Thank joining for us. Um, it was a great conversation, and I'm so um, glad to know you because you are just an amazing educator. You've always been that way. For anyone who didn't know, I spent several years um, teaching, worked with Lisa. Um, so, you know, we know each other very well, but I, I really wanted her to be a guest on this show because it's just important, that perspective that you have. And it's, it's you know, I, I wanted to cut out the whole getting your your education information from 30 second sound bites. So here's someone who is in the trenches she is in the school district. She has taught in urban settings. She has taught in suburban settings. She can tell you what classrooms need, what they don't need. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in today for today's sneak peek of Cooper and Company. So thank you again, Lisa, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you to all of the listeners that tuned in today uh, for my first uh, sneak peek podcast of Cooper and Company. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you again, Lisa. I really appreciate it. I'd like to give a big shout out and thank you to our associate producer, Cindy Lynn, who is a high school student. Cindy has been a wonderful asset to this team. She has helped with the show notes, research, reached out to guests, as well as assisting with all the technical aspects that go into creating a podcast. So thank you so much to our associate producer, Cindy. For those of you who are interested in giving us feedback or would like to get in touch with us, please feel free to reach out to Cooper and Company. You can email us, Bree, B-R-I, Cooper and company at gmail.com. So thank you again, everyone. Don't forget to tune in next week for Cooper and Company, where politics meets people.